Curiosity is not a sin, Harry, but you should exercise caution. He's a time strand. You're fraternizing with the enemy. There's the, um, the Cruciatus curse. We'll celebrate a boy who was kind and honest and brave and true right to the very end. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We're doing Chapter 3, The Invitation. And we have Elizabeth back for a third straight episode. (laughs) Hello everyone. Sorry if you're sick of me. Uh, We're hoping you like the new intro and break sounds that we have. Uh, Once again, I'd like to thank Jen, who's been on the podcast before, for helping us out with our new logo that we have. And Drew and Anna helping us out with the quotes and the, the production and all that kind of good stuff that goes into those sounds that you hear. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much uh, to all three of you. Uh, thank you for all the work you do on Twitter with helping uh, with all the Twitter stuff. Uh, and <laughs> It's my pleasure and enjoyment. <laughs> well, I, I bring it up because we got three Twitter polls to discuss <laughs> that you put on recently. I want people's opinions. Hey, they're A, they're great questions, and they're really interesting results. So, with that being said, yeah. let's let's get into some of them. Uh, one of the posts was from our first chapter in Goblet of Fire. Who do you think owns the Riddle House? The Riddle House being chapter one's title. Right, because it discussed about how, like, a strange, rich person owns it, but we were like, is it a wizard? Is it Dumbledore? Yes, they left it very vague in, in the book so we you thought it was actually we thought it was i think we it. both were like i think it makes sense for dumbledore to have it it's a I rare moment where we it. agree <laughs> i could see it as like a wealthy muggle but if it's connected to tom riddle come on it's got to be dumbledore right well the people have spoken what is it 60 percent say that it's some wealthy muggle 30 <laughs> percent say it's dumbledore and apparently 10% think it's somebody else. Anybody else. So Interesting. Yep. So we're taking her literally at her word. Some rich person yep. comes out. Take, <laughs> taking the words in the book quite literally. That's fine. <laughs> uh, so moving on to chapter two, the scar, I had somewhat of a hot take, I guess you can say. Very hot take. I said that the scar, that chapter two is the scar, is the worst chapter in the entire <laughs> Harry Potter series. Which I'll give you that it's pretty bad, but I don't think it's the worst. Well, 60%, 60% of people that voted on this poll said that it is, quote, as you put it in the answer, so boring. I would tend to agree with those 60%. Uh, 40% said, no, there are other worst chapters. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to... Shout out Zach over at the Belated Binge podcast, who put forth Chamber of Secrets Chapter 1, The Worst Birthday, as his worst chapter. And honestly, I agree. I think that's the worst, just because there's just so much recap, and you're like, oh, I know all of this. I literally just finished the book. So here's where I both agree and disagree with that, (laughs) Uh, as I tend to do on episodes that you are Uh, no, but this time I'm agreeing and disagreeing, I guess, with both you and Zach. Uh-huh. That, yes, it is a chapter 
that has many of the same flaws that I point out in, in the Scar chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, as you just said, it, the redundancies are, are massive. You're mm-hmm. literally just getting told about the book that you just I finished. I get why she does it. It's just like, ugh, come on, let's get on with it. Here's the difference between the two and why Goblet of Fire's chapter sets it apart from the Chamber of Secrets chapter. Chamber mm-hmm. of Secrets is book two. <laughs> Goblet of Fire is book four. I, I understand, and I'll tip of the cap to her doing a recap chapter in the second book. Yeah. I do not need to know Harry is special in book four. <laughs> I got it. Thank you very much. Um, but anyway, I digress. But that's my only... I, I totally get it. As far as content goes, yes, they're very, very similar. Yeah. I, but my thing is just book two to book four. I guess book two also kind of has the whole, like, hey, here's Dobby, and your friends aren't writing to you. Was it all a dream? There's, yeah. like, some substance to also, it. Also, this... Every time I read it, I hear, like, the Monty Python, like, get on with it! Like, just in my brain. <laughs> this was chapter one of book two as yeah. well. Yeah, So, literally, it makes sense for a <laughs> nice, brief recap. Yeah, it's a transition, but, oh, it's so boring. Book four, you just got done with the Riddle House, which is enticing and... You, you want to know more, and you want to get into it more, and then you're just set back. You just take a big step backwards. It's unfortunate. Anyway, uh, be on the lookout for Zach at Belated Binge Podcast. He does great work over there. I might be a guest on that podcast oh, coming yeah? up sometime soon. Fun. They are finishing up book two, Chamber of Secrets. Okay. Uh, he's finishing that up over there. And then uh, he'll start Prisoner of Azkaban soon. That's so hopefully, exciting. Hopefully I'll be on fairly soon. Um, like cross, I think we're shooting for November, so let's hope. These cross-podcast things, these are fun. Yeah, they're cool. So Zach does cool stuff at Bladed Binge, so check him out over there. And then uh, the third poll that he put up, uh, <laughs> which is still technically active at the time of recording, so yeah. these are the most up-to-date results that we have. <laughs> uh, but the question is, this is a very Elizabeth question. <laughs> Are you annoyed that the movies did not put Harry's scar in the center of his forehead? So if you listen to the podcast in chapter two of the scar, uh, the picture of him at uh, the beginning of the chapter, the illustration, has the scar right in the center of his forehead. Elizabeth's made this whole big spiel. I swear at some point in the book they specify that it's in the middle. I just don't understand why they wouldn't take that little extra effort to stick it in the middle. I, I, I get it. <laughs> I also don't care. So, <laughs> is that what you voted for? So the the possible answers were yes, it's not that hard to put it in the center of the forehead. <laughs> no, I barely even noticed. And three, I noticed, but I don't care. Uh, I think right now I'm the only person who cares. <laughs> the results would bear that out. Uh, at, again, at the time of this recording, uh, yes, it's not that hard. It got ten percent of the. Uh, no, I barely even noticed. Got 50% of the vote. (laughs) And I noticed, but don't care, got 40% of the vote. That's where you were? Uh, I was in, no, I I didn't even really notice that they made a change. (laughs) Uh, that wasn't a big detail that jumped out to me, so that was just me. But yeah. But also, I don't care. I'll I'll accept it. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, please keep an eye over at our Twitter for all of the polls that Elizabeth puts on there. Or me. I, I, I do post on our Twitter <laughs> from time to time. Uh, sometimes I'll throw out a poll. So keep an eye out on our Twitter at Hogwarts Pod. Also, 
head over to our Instagram. We do put some polls up on Instagram from time to time on the story. And mm-hmm. um, Anna and I post some pretty cool stuff on there as well. So uh, check us out at Hogwarts a Pod. Oh, yeah. There's a chapter to yeah. do. Chapter you know three. What? Once again, it's like how much of a chapter is this really? Uh, at least it, I think there's only one paragraph in this entire chapter that dips into kind of like a recap. We don't really need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rest of it at least is new information, if not boring information. <laughs> but anyway. To be fair, we're still at the Dursleys. That's why. Uh, the chapter is chapter three. It's the invitation. And uh, just to give a brief rundown of what happens in the chapter, it mm-hmm. takes place in the Dursley house, the entirety of it. And we get brought into what a breakfast at the Dursleys is like now, this summer. There's a, well, Harry reports on some letters that have come home from Dudley's school that have not been uh, very kind. Oh, they're fun letters. We can get into them after your recap. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, spoiler alert, Harry is ignoring everything about the diet, uh, which we can also get into. Mm-hmm. And then the invitation comes in, in the post, and uh, Vernon's not terribly thrilled for a couple of different reasons, but we'll get there too. Uh, the invitation is essentially... Uh, the Weasleys inviting Harry to the Quidditch World Cup because Arthur has scored some cool tickets, and uh, which is a payoff, actually, from the end of Prisoner of Azkaban, when they mentioned that the Quidditch World Cup is coming. Right. Uh, so this is kind of a payoff of that mention. <laughs> Months later, here's a Quidditch World Cup. <laughs> Time still goes by. Yeah, well, I mean, we end in... You know, early June, and we right. arrive in July. Closer, so it's yeah. like a month of time has passed. Yeah. But anyway, that's essentially the chapter in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, well, so, then Harry is able to convince Uncle Vernon that, like, yeah, he should be able to go. Yeah, so, which he was going to do because, you know, plot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine the books is like, no, and then it's six more chapters of just home and Dursley. Right, that's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, this this book is like seven hundred something pages, people. She needs she needs something to write about. Maybe but, she did that first, and then the editor was like, "Let's cut these and these and these." Can, can we do something different here? Uh, anyway, so yeah, so we start out with Dudley's school report, which essentially um, summarizing is he's a bully, mm-hmm. he's not doing well academically, mm-hmm. and for all intents and purposes, he's fat. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I do, I have to give props to this educator, like the administration that wrote up these reports, because, I mean, parents, speaking as a teacher, parents will hear what they want to hear, and they have very firm opinions about their children. So, I mean, like, Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia both were like, oh, you know, he's just gifted. The teachers don't understand him. Or, I don't care if he's a bully. He's He wouldn't hurt a fly. And Uncle Vernon's just like, well, I don't want some little Nancy boy. Like, an intelligent child, apparently. Doesn't want that as a son. But they worded <laughs> the weight comment so interesting. Saying how, like, you know, there's the fact remains. There are no more school uniforms that will fit your child. Something is wrong. Something needs to change. And... I mean, we both put down in our comments, there's the line that says Dudley had reached roughly the size and weight of a young killer whale. To be fair, that's Harry's commentary. True. That's Harry's self in his head commentary. Right. Which I, just because I looked it up on Google, uh, newborn killer whales are apparently between 265 and 353 pounds and are about eight and a half feet long. So if Dudley really, really were this size... Uh, he'd be an incredible 14-year-old child. It's a big boy. 
<laughs> That's a big boy. But yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Like really, you know, try they were able to word it so well that neither Vernon or Petunia could really brush it aside. It's like something has to change. Here's okay. I have two points on this. Mm-hmm. One, I get as an administration, you want to alert the parents to, hey, he's bu- being a bully here. We can't allow that. That has to change. Right. That's a necessary common remark to get in that circumstance. Right. The poor marks thing, also a pretty common thing for a teacher or administrator to send home, being like, hey, he's struggling here. He's not doing as well. We need maybe some parent uh, involvement. involvement. <laughs> uh, so those are two things that you would expect for a school administration right. in some form or fashion to comment, to comment on. Right. The overweight thing. Yeah, that's I an underst- interesting thing. I understand that it's a, um, a, a private school. Mm-hmm. And... But here's the thing, and maybe his description, maybe Harry's not too far off on his description because what you just illustrated is substantial. That's an abnormal size. Mm-hmm. But there is no way that you can't, like, especially at a private school, tailor something or have an, an outfit that can fit him. Because they, they reference that he can't fit in the clothes that are provided to him at the school. Right. Um, it's still... In, Odd thing to put in a report. <laughs> I think it's still a little weird. Well, what it did spark in my brain, like, it's an odd thing in general to write home to a parent and be like, hey, your child is vastly overweight. Because, I mean, in, in some some levels, it's like, you know, maybe the kid is just genetics and they can't necessarily help it. But at the same time, I mean, you could potentially be looking into this as some type of, like, you know, child abuse aspects, like, you know what I mean? Like, like maybe the parents that's just, you know, they are purposely mistreating the child with what they feed the child or, or whatever the case may be. It's just, it's an odd thing, you know? And it also kind of reminded me of like, well, okay, if there's a situation where a kid has really, really bad body odor, like maybe it's because the family can't afford soap and shampoo and, you know, laundry clean clothes, clean clothes, that kind of stuff. So if you're reaching out in that sense, well, maybe, you know, the school district can provide that kind of stuff. Like there are many school districts that have, uh, you know, donation type rooms with that kind of materials available to them. So I was thinking of it as almost like, well, you know, are they reaching out to be like, hey, your eating habits aren't great for your son. Here are some suggestions of how to fix it. But in general, compared to the bullying and to the... um, uh, you know, the ed, the grades aspect. It is a interesting thing to include on an end-of-the-year school report. Not to bring up another podcast, but uh, I recently did a, a guest spot on the Restricted section. Right. And which is a great podcast. Shout out to Christina over there, the Restricted section. But we um, did briefly talk about, I can't remember if it made the final cut or not, but we did discuss that they are... Not, not they, uh, JK specifically, is not very kind when it comes to describing overweight individuals. Yeah, it comes across as like fat phobic. A little bit. She uses very aggressive, teasing, uh, stereotypical type of verbiage Mm -hmm. when describing Dudley or or other characters. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, it kind of came through, uh, he, even though it's through Harry's eyes, 
the size uh, and weight of a young killer whale comment. Right. And, and, you know, things like that. I'm like, when you're reading it the first time as a kid, you might not get it. You might think it's funny. Like, ha ha, that was a funny joke. And then you read it more as an adult and you're like, there's a lot of disparaging comments. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I think the conversation that we had specifically was in reference to maybe either, uh, maybe Aunt Marge with sausage-like fingers yeah. or like yeah. th- things like that where it's like clearly an unflattering description right. of an overweight person. Which on the one hand, like, yes, p- paints the picture in your brain. But on the other hand, it's like, okay, was that really necessary? We understand that she's overweight. Yeah, and I mean, there is probably a fine line between descriptive language mm-hmm. and getting that image in your head and more of a making fun of that yeah. Body image. Yeah. And I mean, if, if you think of it from like, I mean, it's not Dudley's fault that he's this overweight. It's, the... it's a little Dudley's fault. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> it's a little Dudley's fault. I'll take that back. It's a little Dudley's fault because he can't handle like being around sweets and all that like fatty foods and stuff. Zero self-control. But at the same time, he's 14 years old and he's a teenage boy and his parents have always given him as much as he wants and the richer type food that would put on the poundage. So he hasn't been taught good eating habits. He hasn't been taught good, like, exercising habits. And that's what his body has become as a result. Yeah. Uh, I. So they, they get to the diet that he's specifically on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, that the whole family goes on. Because he <laughs> which, can't be the only one. Which is fair. That's which fair. Which is fair. But just imagine Uncle Vernon. Like, he has to be like, can these kids go back to school so I can eat oh, he's, food? You know he's cheating on the diet. <laughs> As soon as he goes to work, he's picking up donuts and coffee oh, on, the, on the way. 100%. 100%. But uh, no, as far as the diet goes, I'm not super thrilled with the diet that they lay out here. Mm-hmm. They get a quarter of a grapefruit. Yeah. Which, if we're getting down to the nutrition of it, on one hand, anything for breakfast technically is a good thing as long as you have it because it kickstarts metabolism mm-hmm. and gets metabolism burning calories. Mm-hmm. Understandable. That being said, though, a quarter of a grapefruit is, that's a little harsh to take. It's going from the extreme of shove as much as you want into your mouth to very, very little. Like maybe, uh, you know, some granola, Mm -hmm. like a granola bar and a grapefruit would be a good kickstart to your day. Mm -hmm. Something else with a little extra nutritional value other than just the vitamin C. But anyway, uh, Dudley's not going to get scurvy. Good for him. (laughs) So <laughs> it's not a it's not a stellar diet, but that being said, what Harry does is not good either. <laughs> when he's like, "Forget this healthy food, I'm gonna binge on cake and uh, treats and chocolates," and at least Hermione gave him non sugar snacks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Mrs. Weasley sent a fruit pie and assorted meat pie. Well, thank goodness for Mrs. Weasley actually sending him something that resembles a some meal. real food. <laughs> yeah, some actual food. To be fair, though, I mean, his quarter of the grapefruit was going to be the smallest of them all. I imagine every meal was going to be the least amount of food possible. And Harry's not obese. He's this skinny little 14-year-old teenager boy. Well, the line was... Food. The line was that as long as Harry got the least, Dudley would be somewhat more willing to go along with the diet. Right. Which it speaks volumes about how they're training Dudley, right? Like, if, yes, you're on a diet and your cousin's on the diet, but as long as you have a little bit more food, you are superior. Like, okay, great teaching. 
great parenting. Also, Sarcasm. I have a question about Harry mm. here. He's hoarding all of these snacks that he wrote to all of his friends about, like, please send me actual food. Yeah. And he gets all of his food back, and he hides it under a floorboard. And I get some of the sugar-free snacks, and I get... In packaging. <laughs> but the but the, the meat pies mm-hmm. and stuff that Mrs. Weasley's sending, all of the cakes, mm-hmm. you're shoving those under a floorboard? I that imagine they came well. in, like, some kind of... Like basket or container, a magically even, sealed container maybe. that would refrigerate this stuff. Because <laughs> I can't imagine like I putting there's gonna be a lot of space under your floor. Putting one cake under a floorboard is one thing. He got like three here. I'm wondering how big of a cake it was, though. You know, like, even a little individual one that you would get at like a local grocery store is still a substantial thing. I mean, unless it's like a cupcake size, but I can't imagine Mrs. Weasley restricting herself to only sending a single cupcake. No, absolutely not. <laughs> but anyway, I was just kind of... Uh, the whole diet thing both ways with Dudley and with Harry just seemed mm-hmm. ridiculous. Uh, anyway. But that's the Dursleys. They're ridiculous. Fair enough. Uh, we might hear more about the Dursleys in our spoiler section. We'll see. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we get to the actual point of this whole chapter, which is the invitation itself. Right. And I give Mrs. Weasley a lot of credit for writing this thing very, very well. Oh, yeah. The way she words everything. She words very, it very, very well, as well as she probably could have. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mistake she makes is putting about 8,000 stamps on a, on a regular letter. Well, that and referencing magical things. You know, like yeah. Quidditch and, and I give I give her a pass stuff. on that because she only does it like twice. Mm-hmm. Quidditch and Department of Magical Games and Sports. Yeah, and, that. and Muggle Postman. Okay, three, three <laughs> times. Uh, so I give her a pass because other than the Muggle Postman bit, pretty much everything else is fairly it's important respectful. information. Yeah. So you know, it is what it is. She gave a good effort, much better than Ron would have. So, <laughs> uh, or Arthur, for that matter, <laughs> but. I digress. Anyway, uh, no, she does a good job with the letter. Uh, but Vernon is turned off immediately because the postman makes a joke out of how many stamps are on it. and was like, where did this come from? Right. Who sent this? Uh, which made Vernon very, very defensive very quickly. It also makes me wonder so many things about the behind the scenes of this envelope. Because, like, did they have stamps? Like, did Arthur buy stamps at some point and was just like, this is part of my collection? Which I could totally see because, you know, it's a fun thing. So or then did... was he upset when Mrs. Weasley clearly used oh, well, his collection? I, I fully bet you that Arthur put the stamps on the envelope. I think he had a blast putting them on the envelope and that, like, you know, made him go overboard. But I could also wonder, like, did they go to a muggle post office and... You know, asked to buy some stamps and then just got very excited because that's what the muggles do. So we're going to be like the muggles, you know? I think Mrs. Weasley put the stamps on, but I totally love the image of <laughs> Arthur being like, no, no, Molly, Molly, let me let me put these on. Let me put all these on here. This is how you send a letter. This is like, this is his element. <laughs> the only thing that makes me think like, maybe it was, it was Arthur's. I do hope we've put enough stamps on. The weave pronoun makes me think like, it's her and Arthur together. Probably. Writing this letter. She's like, I'll do the writing. You can put the stamps on the envelope. I think she consulted his his muggle <laughs> knowledge background for sure. 
<laughs> this um, cracks me up, though. But yeah, Vernon was clearly off-put from the get-go, and nothing in the letter really did anything to dissuade that, so... I wonder if they... They probably could have just been like, hey, n- no mention of Quidditch. All we want to do is just take Harry off your hands for the rest of the summer, and that easily would have worked, but... Just because Molly is a decent person who, you know, will explain why she wants to take your nephew away for the summer. Like, that's why she included well, the footage. Well, as, as much as they know about Harry and Harry's life, they clearly don't know enough about it. No one knows the they, Weasleys. They don't, they don't know the details enough. And you can tell that because Mrs. Weasley is cautious and hesitant about, like... Uh, oh, you've pro- or not cautious or hesitant. She she goes. Oh, I'm sure he's told you about us, right? Or right. things like that in the letter. And I'm just sitting reading this letter like she has no <laughs> no idea about what this dynamic is like, right? Which is not necessarily her fault. No, she herself has not spent a ton of time. It's shocking to everybody when they see it. Like, why would you expect the famous Harry Potter, who is such a nice young boy, to be loathed? Did you by realize him? he was magical and special? I didn't <laughs> until the last chapter. Well, maybe that's what they included in the last chapter. Who knew? I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Being salty over here. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, but Ron has spent a lot of time. Uh, the boys and Ginny has spent a lot of time. But Molly hasn't spent a ton of time with Harry, really. Right. So, um, and but, yeah. no matter how you describe the Dursleys, there's no painting of accurate picture. Yeah, you got to experience it for yourself. Yeah. So, the Quidditch World Cup is coming, and it's Ireland versus Bulgaria, mm-hmm. which is just a cool matchup, and I'm a nerd, so I love it. Uh, go Ireland. Go Irish. <laughs> uh, nothing against Bulgaria, but go Irish. Well, I like Uncle Vernon as they're reading the letter, just being like, you know, Harry has to explain these wizarding terms to him, like, you know, Quidditch. What's what's this rubbish? What's Quidditch? And he's just like, oh, it's a sport played on a broomstick, and... And that broomstick aspect makes me laugh that that throws him off into a panic because it's a somewhat magical related word, even though it's a broomstick. Like, muggles have those too. When I was reading this, the thought crossed my mind. It's like, broomstick is so stereotypically tied with, like, magic and witches. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, I, it just hit me as such, like, a trope, I guess, of just, like, yeah, of course their magical way of transportation would be brooms. Of right. course it would. I don't know why it just hit me, like, right then as I was reading, but, yeah. I don't he know. doesn't even say, like, a, a flying broom, though. It's just a, a sport played on a broom, you know, like... If they weren't flying, they'd be even more ridiculous. <laughs> Nothing against quad ball in real life, <laughs> but it's just not the same without it flying. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anywho, uh, they also drop news that Percy is working at the Department of International Magical Cooperation, which if I were to work for the ministry and you, not be an aura like I would have dreamed of you being... You would rock at this job. This would probably be the job that I would go yes. into, yes. You would have so much fun traveling. Yeah, and then uh, what does Ron put in his little PS letter? Like, don't mention anything abroad or else you'll like never you hear the end of it. bored to death. And I'm like, rude. to be fair though i mean like it's percy percy the way he describes anything will make it sound very very dry if you worked at that job and you were to explain it i feel like it'd be much more interesting yes i am not percy (laughs) we also met a new pet we have pig (laughs) 
Yeah, so we met, uh, we met him at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban as he dropped Sirius's letter off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hedwig, not a fan? No, oh, well, that's because it's, it's a tiny little fluff ball that's very hyperactive. <laughs> uh, Hedwig views this new owl as undignified. Yes. Like, do your job. It's a profession. <laughs> what are you doing? Which I kind of like from Hedwig, but she is a sassy owl. I like the idea of it being a profession because it's not like they get paid, but at the same time, it's like the honor of carrying wizard mail. But a pig is just so excited. It's the first letter he's ever delivered. Successfully. Other yeah, other than Sirius's. It's it's Ron's, so it's it's he's very, very happy. Mary's just like, calm down. Well it hit him in the head like a golf or a <laughs> tennis ball is what he said. It's hilarious to me. So as much as this was kind of a nothing's really happening chapter, mm-hmm. there was at least Things to talk about yeah. and things going on. And, and I guess things. we could also mention like the reason, the real thing that was able to convince Vernon that yes, he should go was mentioning the fact that he was writing a letter to Sirius because Vernon, you know, now was under the impression that Sirius is still you know, a mass murderer and he knows he's his godfather. So the debate, the internal debate of, well, I could get rid of Harry two weeks early and that'd be fantastic. Ooh, but it's going to make Harry happy. Like that was very, very quickly settled by the fact that like his mass murderer godfather could come kill us if he's, if we don't let him go. So fine. You be happy. Go to the stupid Quidditch. You know what I'm surprised Hmm. is with Vernon and Petunia's just hesitancy towards Anything being odd, like this letter being delivered to them was an affront to them. Like it was a personal insult to them. Right. Yet Vernon requests that they come pick him up. Not that he would drive and like meet them somewhere. If I was Vernon, I'd be like, fine, we'll go to King's Cross and I'll drop you off like in London or whatever. Mm -hmm. I get him not wanting to drive out to who knows where uh, in this weird community of wizards, wizards and wizards, that's fine. But the idea of him literally, and maybe he didn't think this through, <laughs> clearly he didn't, but having them come to him, I think was like, Vernon, are you even sure what you're saying? Okay, we're just going to let that go, and I'm just going to go back to my room and eat a cake. I think so. it's also the aspect that, like, I think they said it in Sorcerer's Stone, how Vernon is never the happiest as he is when he's criticizing Harry and, like, complaining about Harry and just everything about Harry. That conflict now is in place. Yeah, but I, I think it's just, like, the fun of, like, well, you know, I'm not going to inconvenience myself to drop you off wherever, but I'm going to complain, like, you won't believe when these wizards come to pick you up. But I could totally see your point of, like, if you want to avoid the abnormal, don't have wizards... Meet somewhere in the middle and drop them off. Yeah, yeah. like, you won't want your neighbors to see these people supposedly, like, drive up to your mm-hmm. house and... Who knows what they look like? I do like this mentality that Vernon's struggling with of like, I love to make Harry miserable and not going to this thing would make him miserable. Mm-hmm. But him going to this thing gets him out of my hair for two weeks, mm-hmm. two weeks earlier. What do I do here? <laughs> What's more important to me, Harry's misery or my misery? <laughs> so yeah, it was a very interesting insight to, to Vernon's mind there mm-hmm. but so there was some stuff in this chapter to kind of pick and peruse through yeah it's just still really short and just like you know like i said the monty python get on with it i want to get to the quidditch match 
Go to the Weasleys. Go get out of the Dursley's house. I'm sure many that are listening to this podcast are like wanting to us to get to the spoilers and they're like, get on with it. <laughs> Maybe that should be her next break sound. <laughs> spoiler alert for the spoiler section. There is not a whole lot that we really have for that. No. So as much as this non-spoiler section has been pretty much our usual length, give or take. Uh, the spoiler section will be much shorter, so just be prepped for that. Uh, we will pause it right here. I will not kill the spare, and we will get into the spoiler section. Kill the spare! Alright, we are back with the spoiler section of Chapter 3, The Invitation. The spare is still here. <laughs> yes, she is. Um, but anyway... What we wanted to get to in this spoiler section, this is a thin chapter, obviously, as far as spoilers go. Nothing to really pop out. What we kind of wanted to expound on at this point was this chapter featured Dudley uh, pretty heavily for the first half of it, at least. And it's the first time where Dudley's, like, you know, not having the best of times. He's not in control for the first time in a while. Yeah. He's getting things forced upon him. He does not like that. No, and they're still bargaining, and they're still trying to find ways to make him a little bit more comfortable with all of it, and it's sort of working. Do you think they recognize how much damage they've done to Dudley as a child? Because, I mean, like, if, you, if you're a parent, right, at some point, if you really, truly see your child and recognize, like, my kid is a bully, my kid is failing in school, my kid... Is this overweight and I have to beg them to do anything? I have to bribe them to do anything? Like, I mean, I'm not a parent, but at some point, don't you think, like, you'd look at your own parenting and be like, where did I go wrong? I think the, their biggest issue is not necessarily spoiling him, which is an issue, but I, I don't think it's the biggest one. Mm-hmm. I think their biggest one is overlooking and excusing some potential caution or just straight up red flags mm. in, in his character and ignoring kind of what others are seeing mm-hmm. uh like it takes the term like rose color glasses to a whole new level <laughs> these two it very much though reminds me of what i see these days with parents and with kids sure like i mean i know you work in a high school too and you see the entitlement with your athletes but there with education i mean i've I've been a teacher, this is my 11th year, and that's not a very, very long time, but even with that short amount of time, I can tell kids are not the same as they were 10 years ago. There's a lot of apathy and entitlement and, you know, like, if I don't want to do something, I'm just not going to do it, which when we were in high school, like, that, you did your stuff, right? You didn't just, like, be like, I don't want to do it today, and then just sit on your phone, because... Of course, phones weren't as much of a thing, but it's it's interesting because, I mean, we look at that and it's like, you know, clearly you learned this from somewhere and there's all sorts of theories of, you know, how the pandemic affected that and how parents who work multiple jobs and aren't able to be at home as much and parent their kids as much, like, that's a factor into why the behavior is the way that it is and, and I don't know, just like social media, the rise of that and how that you know, teachers and, and education in general, like you're constantly having to battle the phone in order to get attention and convince kids that they should care about things. But, I mean, Dudley's behavior is right on track with the real world these days, unfortunately. I think some of his 
outbursts are trying to get that same attention that he gets at home. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the only way he can seemingly do it is by being that bully and, you know, using the one thing that he can control, which is his size. I mean, he's, he knows that's one thing in his corner that that makes him, I guess, special, if you want to call it that. The one thing that makes him kind of set apart is his size. So he uses that to his advantage. He Mm -hmm. surrounds himself with enablers, even at school away. Do you think anyone at school, like, bullies him for his size? I don't don't know enough about the dynamic at... Smeltings? No, because I don't know, like, how many years are there. I don't know if there are a lot of older kids Mm. that... In his year? No, probably not, because he's literally the big man on campus. Yeah. Uh, so no, probably not in his year. But also he sounds he surrounds himself with an entourage that can shield him from a lot of that. And I guess too, like he carries the persona of being a bully because that's his personality with Harry for his entire life. It's almost how he self-identifies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which yeah. is... <laughs> which is a shame. It is. Uh, and some of that is Vernon and Petunia. But, you know, you mentioned something in, in the non-spoiler about, like, it's a lot of Vernon Petunia, which it is. It so much is. Mm -hmm. But let's not take Dudley completely off of the hook here. His self-control is a problem. Right. He does take enjoyment with the bully aspect. It's not like he's shying away from it. He's leaning into it. Uh, He he does take some enjoyment in making Harry's life a little bit worse, Mm -hmm. to make his life better. It's a little bit is on Dudley, too, here. What's interesting to me, and this thought just popped in my brain, like we know Lily was the witch of the family and Petunia was very jealous, right? Mm-hmm. And it was because her parents were impressed by this because, oh, magic, it exists. This is super cool. Like I'm really excited about it. Dudley is kind of in the Petunia's shoes, only he doesn't have the same reaction as her simply because like his parents' attitude towards it is so... Like, this is bad. You don't want this. But I feel like if their attitude wasn't there, Dudley would be all over magic. You know? Like, like I can, Harry, use your wand and, and get the remote control over the TV. Have it, like, float across the room. Or, or get me a soda from the fridge. Or, like, anything cool. But you could say that, too, about, like, Petunia is not a child anymore. Right. She's an adult woman who has lost her sister. Right. To a tragic event. Right. Which she blames on magic. Sure, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But you're still an adult woman that has, in theory, put aside some of the childish... Like, you lost your sister. Mm-hmm. Like at some point, some things just become so trivial. Like, I was always jealous of her magical... Well, she's gone now. Right. Like, you lost... Family. Family. You lost blood. So yeah. why... Like, put that aside at some point. Like, some stuff just is, like, so small after bigger things happen. You know what this shows once again? Literally well, every yeah. character needs therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I'm, what I'm getting to is her marrying Vernon. Mm-hmm. And Vernon's... And I get maybe, you know, their wants and needs kind of matched. Like, she wanted to put the magic behind her. Mm-hmm. So going to Vernon, who's, like, your quote-unquote most normal person ever... Helped some of that. So it's it's partly her own fault. But I think Vernon also creates a presence in the house where 
it doubles and triples down on the, no, we're not doing any of this weird stuff. I was reading a little bit of the Harry Potter wiki for this, and <laughs> it was talking about how Petunia and Vernon met and became engaged and stuff. And apparently every one of their dates were so mundane and Vernon just talked about himself and just never asked Petunia any questions about herself, which she loved because she was like, you know, I don't want to talk about my sister and magic and the traumatizing things at home. And eventually she broke down crying to him at one date and was like, my sister is a weirdo and, and don't judge me for that. So her big fear was like, you know, I'm going to be associated with, you know, Lily's abnormality as, and, and then you'll reject me. And he was just kind of like, well, I guess that sucks, but that's not you. And Everybody like, has weird people in their family. Right. And that's what made her just be like, fall in love. And apparently they got engaged in the most normal way in their um, family's living room. And it was just like the most boring possible thing you can find, which is what she wanted. She didn't want magic. So let's just say, she never meets Vernon. Mm -hmm. Like, she's either single or met someone else who's not the most boring, normal dude in the world. Anybody else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Does she still treat Harry with the same level of disdain that oh, she does? That's a good question. Mm. I would say no. I would say Vernon does... Vernon amplifies it, for Vernon sure. amplifies. Amplifies is a good word. Yeah. I don't know. There might be some still, like... Like animosity towards Harry, but I feel like if her husband is like, oh, that's interesting, it's not necessarily something to be mad at, what maybe her attitude would change. Do you think her resentment towards everything her sister embodied mm -hmm. and what this child would embody mm -hmm. would outweigh the idea of this is the only thing left for my sister? Or which would which do you think would win? If she, again, this is her being single or with a different person, not Vernon. I don't know. I feel like her attitude towards magic is so much just. I mean, she was jealous. She wanted to be the magical one. She wanted the attention, and that's why she wrote to Dumbledore and was like, "Can I come too?" And because that couldn't happen, and Lily's getting all the attention, I think that's just jealousy is not hatred, though, right? Jealousy grew into hatred, and I think that's just because. Lily died, and they were never, ever able to, like, really talk through the issue that they had. I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. <laughs> um, I would take a guess at that jealousy that grew into hatred mm -hmm. was just an avenue of her to put up a barrier between dealing with all of that emotion. Yeah, probably. This was just an easier way of doing it mm -hmm. than actually coming to grips with, oh my gosh, my sister who i did love at one point if mm -hmm. not forever i mean we don't know exactly all of petunia's motivations at this point mm -hmm. especially but I mean, honestly we don't even get a whole lot of petunia throughout the entire series yeah, really just like little tidbits little tidbits especially there's one big scene coming up way down the road but <laughs> so we don't and maybe we'll do a petunia character deep dive like we've done some other characters you know with what you're saying i think it, it is vernon amplified it and helped her build the wall that therapy would have helped her break down, down yeah and it just didn't go that way you brought up something that made me have a what if for you okay what if petunia had found a wizard husband do you think her attitude would change in that way 
I think in the terms of this book mm-hmm. and how this book series, the Harry Potter series, is written, mm-hmm. yes, because love does tend to conquer some other challenges, mm-hmm. let's say, uh, which is completely contradictory towards the person who wrote these books, <laughs> which is mind-blowing, but yeah. anyway, whatever. <laughs> that aside, yeah, the way these books are written, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of examples some we've already told about with deep dives. Some we'll get to later with new characters that we meet. Other things like that. Love seems to conquer all in this series. So, yes, it would probably change her mindset on the whole thing. It would still stink because she doesn't have the magical ability that her husband and prospective son or daughter would have. Maybe she but... marries a wizarding man and then they have a child, Dudley, who is... Not magical, and then they have Harry, who's magical, and then it's just like one big blended family. What? <laughs> Somewhere in the universe, in, a, in the multiverse. <laughs> not, not to cut this discussion short, but I, I want to wrap up the podcast on this thought. <laughs> in that scenario that you just mentioned, mm. the Petunia marrying a wizard mm-hmm. instead of Vernon, it made me think of the WandaVision episode with Wanda and Vision as magicians and vision was the flourish like lead magician with wanda doing all the actual magic in the background yeah they could have clearly set up a business like that between you could have been the magician and the husband could have been like the the help and doing all the actual magic (laughs) and they could have made a killing on that see if only they knew about using magic to their advantage that could be a thing oh for sure but you know the dursleys aren't exactly the the most uh, opportunistic entrepreneurs in the world. No. The only other thing I did want to poke at before we totally finish up the spoilers. You mean I can't end up my WandaVision flourish? Sorry. You can, you can say flourish again at the end. Will that make you happy? Maybe. <laughs> the only other thing was with Dudley. Like, this, I feel like, this is the beginning of Dudley's life starting to change. Like, I mean, up to this point, it's been, I get whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I can bully Harry as much as I want, which I will do a lot. But now it's like, okay, my life is suddenly unpleasant. This is weird. I'm home, and I can't eat food, and I can't do what I want, and hence all the temper tantrums. But next book, In Order of the Phoenix, that is where Dudley Dursley, you know, he's put on the path of changing as a character um you know his whole being attacked by the dementors which i mean even harry kind of marvels at he's like dudley's he has the best life ever he's so spoiled everything's perfect for him what could he possibly have to feel upset about you know and in the what i was looking about at the dursleys on on the harry wiki they were talking about how jk rowling said dudley in that attack sees himself for his true self and that freaks him out. And that's what pushes him towards the change that he recognizes he needs to take. Which I just find it interesting, like, from writer's perspective. I mean, Dudley, like you've already said, he's not a very rounded character. He's, he's fairly flat. We see him every summer. and You see all the Dursleys every summer, and that's about it. But even with just those little scenes, you still have some development going on. And that's an impressive thing to do. We clearly do not get the end of the Dursleys here. Uh, we see <laughs> much as Harry wishes we did. <laughs> we see Vern, but that opinion does change at some point. So mm-hmm. there's more story to tell 
on Vernon, Petunia, and Dudley. Mm -hmm. And there's more to kind of deep dive into, and we will deep dive into uh, Petunia and Dudley at some point. We'll see if we get to Vernon. But (laughs) we will deep dive into (laughs) at least those two at some point down the road here. But uh, with that, we'll wrap up the podcast for this week. Thank you guys for listening, and let us know what you think on everything we just talked about on Chapter 3, The Invitation. And we'll see you next week for Chapter 4. Bye, everyone. Flourish. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts Apod.